You just think we just, you know, whatever happens, we just shit another player. I, and everything's going to be perfect. All of our fans think that. You all think that. That's what you write about. You don't want to be here. There's a specific reason. Not really, you know, I, I think we did a poor job recruiting. If guys are coming in and immediately walking out the door because it was something different than what they thought it would be. And we lied to them during recruiting or we, we sold them on a dream that wasn't true. Yeah, you know, right now uh, we have the atmosphere of a, of a JC softball game. You know, I mean, that's what we are, JC softball team. As long as, you know, uh, it's 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 not whether you win or lose. It's like who, the, 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 the team that wins is the one that has the most fun. You know, that crap like that. You know, all this stuff that's contaminated America where they give every kid a trophy and they don't keep scoring Little League anymore. As we want to be a big, fast, dominating, aggressive, relentless football team that nobody in the SEC wants to play. Now, that's also a second in the West, baby. Yes, sir. <laughs> Winning the SEC probably is harder than winning the national championship. Do you know that? Well, how about the fucking dogs? Turn that damn you Hey buddy, this beer's for you, Mike, and cousin Shane. That SEC podcast loves the Pirate, and the Pirate loves that SEC podcast. Hail State. Welcome in the latest episode of That SEC Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter, and I'm joined, as always, by my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange Balls on Twitter. What are you up to, you big Tennessee homer? Hey, buddy, what's going on? Hey, it's been, uh, you know, it's been a little while since we've actually <laughs> sat down together and recorded one of these things, and a lot going on, man, and I uh, apologize for not getting a show out on Thursday, but uh, the flying Hawaiian, Cousin Joe's in town, <laughs> he's been keeping me busy, needed a little bit of a break here, and wanted to finish strong going into the SEC championship game, so how you doing, buddy? Oh, I'm doing good, man. Doing good. It's been a crazy week up here as well. Uh, you know, it's almost like they knew it was uh, the last week of college football to get some plans out. But it's the holidays. <laughs> We've got family. we got a whole bunch of stuff going on. But, uh, yeah, I wanted to get on here uh, to get a pod out so that we can uh, help you guys make a little money. Hey, absolutely, Shane. And, uh, you know, before we get to that, I might have to, you know, jump back and do another pod and just – kind of recap the you know the the early signing period and everything like that but uh I don't know how much of that you caught of course I was working through the whole thing so uh I you know I'm aware of what went what happened but I gotta be honest man for whatever reason this was one of the dullest I guess is the word of or just not that exciting of a signing day I don't what are your thoughts on you know, all that that went down on on Wednesday with the uh, National Signing Day and everything. Well, a lot of you seasoned vet listeners obviously know that uh, Cousin Shane's not too big on the old recruiting. You know, it's <laughs> the, it, because so many times, you know, as as the years have gone, I've, I've you know, I've, I used to get into recruiting real big, but, you know, it's kind of hard, you know, because you get your hopes up on some players and they never – 
come to fruition. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm honestly, I ain't gonna lie, Mike, I'm just here for the drama these days. And <laughs> yeah. like you said, there wasn't a lot of it, not a lot of hat flips, not a lot of, you know, switching sweaters or anything like that. So I don't know if COVID had a part to do with that. Um, you know, I, I noticed Alabama, you know, barely was able to piece together a, a recruiting class this year. Um, you know, so it's just, it, it's the same old, same old, it feels like sometimes. And it's just, it's just kind of a lot, it didn't have a lot of, it didn't have a lot of excitement. That's kind of what I was going to jump at. And I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that, uh, without the visits, you know, players were not allowed to officially visit coaches are not allowed to visit the players' homes. So, mm -hmm. so I think he just saw a lot. There, there was no last-minute switches. I mean, there were a couple, but we're used to seeing about a quarter of the prospects, you know, making a decision or flipping their decision. And we didn't really get a ton of that, I didn't think. Uh, LSU yeah. lost a pair of guys to Alabama. That was huge because LSU was gunning for that number one spot in the SEC. Uh, mm -hmm. I'll, I'll just run down the rankings real quick here. Alabama, of course, number one. And I'm just going by SEC ranking here. Georgia, number two, no surprise. LSU, right there. Georgia and LSU, neck and neck. But LSU's number three. Florida, number four. Texas A&M, number five. Tennessee, number six. Ole Miss, how about the Rebels, Shay? They were dead last in the SEC about two weeks ago. Now they're seventh, so... Really good job. They were probably the big winners of the uh, National Signing Day. Mm -hmm. They flipped uh, many prospects, including many from Mississippi State. So not only did they get better, but they hurt their rivals. Uh, we got Arkansas, number eight. Missouri, number nine. Mississippi State, 10. Kentucky, 11. Auburn, 12. Vanderbilt, 13. And number 14, South Carolina. You certainly understand those programs at the bottom. They either... Uh, hell, Auburn does not have a coach at the moment, and Vanderbilt just hired Clark Lee. South Carolina just hired Shane Beamer. Uh, so no surprise to see those teams at the at the bottom of the list. But uh, like I said, just not a whole lot of drama, I didn't think. And I know Tennessee fans may be a little disappointed. Uh, their top prospect did not sign during the early period, at least not officially. And there's a five-star out there potentially waiting to join Tennessee's class. So, you know, a little nugget there. I'm not trying to ruin anything. But I think Tennessee fans should be feeling a little bit better about their class than it, than it currently is on paper. That's all I'll say on that one. What about, uh, what about Auburn's situation? Is, is it, was it an early – I mean, this is obviously early signing day. And, you know, in the last year was, was the big one. Right. But uh, – do we have some? Do we have some guys down there just kind of holding off just to see what's going on with the coaching situation? I think so, and I think you got to credit Kevin Steele for. Yes, I know they're number twelve here, but uh, you know, for getting thirteen guys in here because I think mm -hmm. with no coach at all, we got eleven guys signed, two still committed. I think that's impressive in and of itself because we're talking many four stars in court, including a quarterback. Uh, things mm -hmm. things would certainly be better if they had a head coach and they knew the direction of the program. But I think Kevin Steele kind of helped himself not only with uh, keeping this thing together relatively. Remember, they were already 12th when Gus Malzahn was there. So it's not, yeah. it's not like they had a top class and then it's fallen apart. It's basically he's held it together for the most part. And then him coming out and discussing it on uh, the 
the early signing period, they they had a press conference there. I thought I thought he came across very well, and I know, I know, Lord, I know, stop, stop, <laughs> steal has been trending, but uh, people are people are going to mock this until you know they actually see the results. But uh, I think Kevin Steele would be a, a solid hire for the Auburn Tigers, as weird as that is. And it sounds like, how about this, Shane? His top offensive coordinator target, you know, that's that's how Kevin Steele's, if he gets the job, which I'm not saying he will, but it certainly seems to be trending that way. If Kevin Steele gets the job, sounds like he's pointing towards Mike Bobo to be his offensive Ooh. coordinator. And again, you know, people are probably going to look at what Mike Bobo did this year at South Carolina, and some of them are going to be wondering, well, hell, Will Muschamp got fired. Why in the hell do we want the coordinator he brought in to get fired? But, you know, you have to go a, a step deeper when you're evaluating these things. And going into the season, what were we hyping up? We were hyping up true freshman Marshawn Lloyd. Yeah. Blows out his knee. You know, we figured, oh, my God, South Carolina's running game is going to be a disaster now. Who They've got no one. And then they turn around and they have the SEC leading rusher and a guy, Kevin Harris, that I did not even know was on the roster. Right. And they had one receiver to work with, and they turned him into an all-SEC performer. Uh, yes, they shuffled at the quarterback position, but hell, Bobo brought in the guy he, you know, from his old stop, and he's not responsible for the current players on that roster because he just got there. And I think all things considered, I think Mike Bobo did a hell of a job for South Carolina based on what I just said and – I think he'd be, you'd be, you'd get a major upgrade from Chad Morris to Mike freaking Bobo. So, I don't know. I'm just throwing it out there. If Kevin Steele gets the job, I again, I think I'm hearing all the right things. Yeah, it's so funny because just a couple weeks ago we we're talking about Coach Steele going up to South Carolina. You know, it's just like right. You just you, now now we got maybe a different situation there. And uh, I'll tell you what, man, for all the action that we didn't get for National Signing Day. Man, get your popcorn ready and watch what's going down there on the planes, man. I'm I'm watching plane tracking. I'm watching stop steal. I'm I'm seeing the boosters or, you know, been plotting this for three years. You know, it's just man, the drama is thick down there right now in Auburn. Right, and speaking of that, I don't know if if this was a a group DM, but uh, did you get the DM? Someone I don't know if they sent it to you, Shane, but they sent it to me where. Apparently, there's a flight from Auburn to uh, Bloomington, yeah. Indiana. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, Stucast, I'll give him a shout out. Uh, he's he's always sending me some good stuff. So, uh, Stucast sent that to me and uh, explain to the listener what's going on up there in Indiana. Well, obviously, we don't cover Big Ted football, but uh, it's hard to ignore what Indiana's doing. I mean, they've got a top 15 roster. We just saw them in the bowl game against Tennessee. Tennessee had that epic comeback for the win. But, uh, you know, just based on the little that I've seen of Indiana, it looks like a very solid program. And I cannot remember in our lifetime, Shane, Indiana having a football program. You know what I mean? And all of a sudden, they're in the top 20. And Nick Saban stole all their strength staff this offseason. So, you know you're doing something right when Nick Saban's coming after your entire strength organization. And they're the ones that uh, – Hell, every time Michael Penix makes a play, tennis, you know, some national reporter's got to tweet out, do you know he was supposed to go to Tennessee? So they know how to identify quarterbacks. So t- Tom Allen, certainly that would be that'd be an interesting hire if Auburn went that direction. I'm not, I have no idea if, uh, if any of this is legit, but I, you got to think that would be a solid hire. 
And then speaking of Auburn, I just wanted to throw this out because here on Thursday, Oregon officially announced Mario Cristobal, their head coach, has been extended for his contract. So you got to think he's out of the running for the uh, Auburn job. But I, I, if it is Kevin Steele, I'm just wondering what the hell they're waiting for because they're, they just blew a, a big opportunity here with the signing day. And the thing I just keep hitting at, it's got to be someone that they're waiting for coaching this weekend and mm-hmm. and kind of waiting to see what where that goes and if not i think you got to hire kevin Steele by sunday you know i don't think you want this thing to drag out too much longer no i mean we're we're past the early signing day so i mean i guess a little extra time ain't gonna hurt but uh you know at this point i think you're right i think the i think it may be an active coach now obviously there's a lot of huge freeze talk and uh, you know, that was pretty popular up there in Knoxville this week when they kept painting a rock to fire Pruitt, you know. So uh, <laughs> so, so that thing's going around. Then you got him trolling Tennessee, talking about the rock itself, you know, and not so many words. And uh, what else was there that I saw? Oh, you know, the thing about Indiana, I ain't going to lie, man. Every time you talk about Indiana, mm-hmm. you know the first person that always comes to my mind? Bob and Knight. I'll never get it. No, no, Gene Hackman. <laughs> what? <laughs> Gene Hackman. I can't get him out of my head, man. Every time I hear the Hoosiers, I think of Gene, and I keep thinking of him coming down there at Auburn. So, uh, but anyway, man, I, I, you know, that's that's the beauty of of not having a coach. It's uh, it's all you think about, man. I, I you know, the the Twitter is wild down there in the plains, and, and they're trying to figure out, you know, and it's just. I've been there, and I love it. It's like watching a movie. It's like a movie you watched a long time ago, but you can't really remember how it ends, you know. <laughs> so you you just you catch yourself watching it again. That's what I feel like when I'm I'm watching this thing unfold down there in Auburn. It's like I've seen this before. You know? <laughs> <laughs> There's definitely some uh, behind the scenes drama, without a doubt, and I can't wait to see where this thing's turned because it seems like the the fans have already turned on Kevin Steele. Even, oh, I know. Even though he's been a hell of a coordinator and recruiter for years, but I I understand it on face value. It it doesn't make sense why you get rid of Gus when you uh, just to promote the defensive coordinator. But that just goes to show the you know the backhanded deals that are going on right now on the plains. And oh yeah, it would be fascinating if that's how it really turns out. I love it. Hey, one last thing here before we get to our pick, Shane. Just wanted to make this note: uh, the NCAA has come out and said. Yeah, they've granted a waiver to allow all Division One transfers uh, to be eligible immediately. And I think they're. It says for the next year, so I don't know if it's forever. Yeah. Uh, but that's something to consider. So every every transfer should be eligible. Now there is one very important distinction I sh- we have to note. The SEC would still have to approve this. So. Mm-hmm. They would be able to take guys from anywhere in the nation, and they would also, I would assume, allow their guys to to leave the SEC and go anywhere. But the SEC itself would still have to come in and say, you know, insert SEC school to SEC school transfer. They they have not yet approved that. So you can't necessarily go from Tennessee to Alabama if you're an undergraduate just yet. Uh, Not, by the way, the, the current SEC rules are, but... Man, we might see tons and tons of hell. We're already seeing lots of transfers, but we may see even more if they're they've already been granted automatic one-time waiver. Yeah, that that definitely could be wild. You know, it's as crazy as uh, 
as recruiting has been in the past, it's going to be ramped up just with the transfer portals because uh, if that goes through, there's something else, man, with the NCAA. Uh, I saw something about uh, the players making a little money. Did you catch out? What's going on there? No, I didn't. I actually didn't see that one. Yeah, something, some court case or something like that was coming up, and they were talking about the NCAA approving uh, uh, getting these kids paid. So uh, I don't don't know if that's going to be immediate or anything like that, but I did read that somewhere. Let me see here. We might have to get an SEC uh, lawyer on here to break this all down for us. You know what? (laughs) It ain't me. I'll tell you that, man. Yeah, give them money. I don't care. You know. So I mean, there are. Some of them already do it. Did you see? Uh, okay, here it is. Supreme Court to rule on NCAA limits on paying college athletes. So, uh, so that's what's going on in the Supreme Court. Apparently, that's uh, the big big news right now. But I don't know what that means. Uh, you know, but they're probably going to get some endorsements or something along those lines. And you know, uh, just something uh, you know, a little background noise to keep your keep your eyes on. Yeah, definitely. I, that's certainly coming from what I understand. So, mm-hmm. again, I mean, these changes are – they're going to be wild in the next – we thought 2020 was wild. Let's hope uh, 2021 is wild, but, you know, for a better reason. But <laughs> it's it's yeah. it's definitely going to be like unlike anything we've ever seen, I bet. I, I know. It's like that one Georgia recruit. You know, he got that brand-new car from his family. It was like, oh, my God, that was the last thing you needed to put out there. <laughs> <laughs> they brought the news team down. They were filming it. It was like, no, 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 no. You do that uh, behind closed doors here. You know what? Exactly. Kirby's like, hell, I told you to wait two days. <laughs> oh. All right, buddy. Hey, we've been spieling on long enough. You ready to make some uh, picks? Yeah, buddy. Let's do it. Before we get right to the picks, though, uh, let's not forget, we've got a, the latest That SEC forecast, courtesy of our buddy, Chris Nully, you can follow him on all the social medias at Chris Nully, N-U-N-L-E-Y. Let's kick it over to Chris. You know, you want a prediction about the weather. You're asking the wrong, Phil. I'll give you a a winter prediction. It's going to be cold. It's going to be gray. And it's going to last you for the rest of your life. Stadium. It has been raining throughout the southeast, and Wayne will be a factor in today's game. Did about half the practice yesterday, wet ball today. Everybody can handle the ball was wet. So um, that's, that's all we can do to prepare for it. We can't make it rain, so. Let's get a look at the game day forecast. Number five, Texas A&M taking on Tennessee. This is an 11 a.m. Central kickoff. This is going to be in Knoxville. Temperatures actually going to be in the upper 30s for kickoff. Wind chills in the mid 30s. So you want to make sure you have that light jacket if you're going to attend the game. The temperatures will warm up into the upper 40s by the fourth quarter. Just a light wind, mostly cloudy sky is going to keep it on the cool side throughout the day. Another uh, big game, Ole Miss at LSU. Kickoff is going to be 
in the upper 50s. So going to be a little bit on the cool side down there in Baton Rouge fourth quarter. Temperature should warm up into the low 60s. I am keeping a chance, uh, an eye on a chance for a few showers as we move throughout the game, especially after halftime moving into the third and fourth quarter. Looks like the rain chances are going to increase with a southeast wind at 10 miles per hour. Lightning looks pretty low right now, but we'll continue to keep a close eye on that. Could be a sloppy game down there in Baton Rouge and then Mizzou at Mississippi State. This is a 2.30 kickoff central time. Temperature is going to be in the low 50s, actually falling into the upper 40s by the fourth quarter. Wind chill going to dip into the mid 40s with a light southeasterly wind of 10 miles per hour. Going to be mostly cloudy throughout this game. And of course, the championship game is going to be played indoors. So we don't need a forecast for that. All right, thanks again to our buddy Chris Dully for hooking us up with that uh, latest forecast. Really appreciate each and every one of those. And, uh, man, it sounds like it's going to be pretty chilly out there this this weekend, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, man. And I just want to, again, I, it, we take, we're we taking this for granted, guys. Chris has got, like, ten different things he does. Like he's, he's a professor. He's a doctor. He's doing the, the weather stuff in front of the monitor. I mean, the guy is 24-7. And, uh, you know, he takes a little time out each week for us and, and the fans, just in case you're getting to go to the games, you know exactly what kind of weather to expect. And sometimes it's helped us with gambling. So uh, if you ain't following uh, Chris Nunley on, on Twitter, get on there. Thank him for, for taking his time to do that for us, because uh, I really love this segment and I look forward to seeing it every year. Absolutely, Shane. All right, buddy. So you ready to make some picks? Let's do it! Gambling? What's anything about gambling? It's not gambling when you know you're going to win. Not only am I picking Toledo to cover, I'm picking Toledo to win outright. I can't kick your ass, VRG, say that. <laughs> that, that well, he kicked my ass regardless. <laughs> exactly. They're going to beat the brakes off Miami. You watch it. Mike, if Florida wins this damn game, I will sing the fight song Monday. <laughs> <laughs> it ain't happening, brother. Yeah, orange and blue, waving forever, forever pride, old Florida, may she droop. Joking here. I, I forgot to hit record, so you got to do that again. Are you shitting me? No, I'm recording it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Shane, first game on the docket. We let, Let's just go in the order of the kickoff times. We got mm-hmm. Texas A&M at Tennessee. This is going to be a nooner on ESPN from old Neyland Stadium. Mm-hmm. Texas A&M favored by 14 points, according to my bookie. <laughs> Who do you like in this matchup, Shane? Mike, one of my favorite words starts with a U and ends with a T. Upset? <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding, guys. I'd love to. I, I will tell you this. This is on my upset radar, and it's not because I'm a Tennessee homer. It's just because I think Tennessee found themselves last week, finally. I know I know they're nine games in, Mike, but it felt like there for a moment Tennessee realized what they can be on offense and realized what they could be on defense. It was Now, a lot of people are going to look at that Vanderbilt game. They're going to write it off. They're going to say, hell, they only had 15 players. You know, no wonder they won that game. But there were some things in that game, uh, some receivers stepping up that have never been there. 
Uh, we we saw some some I don't know just life on defense there for a minute. You got the Texas A&M Aggies. Everybody's got them circled and and saying that there's a chance that these guys are going to make college football playoffs. And I'm one of them. I've got money on them. But it I, I don't like the word track game, Mike. But it kind of feels like that. It, it feels like this isn't a game we're talking that much about. It, it's one that Texas A&M's already considered the W. It, it almost feels like that Florida LSU matchup of last week. I do think, however that the one thing that Texas A&M really does have going for them is this offense and defensive line. And, and you know, we don't know which Kellen Mond's going to show up. We don't know which Tennessee defense is going to show up. But it, the one good thing about the Aggies is, is once they get going, man, they, they, can, they can just rely on that ground game, mm-hmm. that, ground, that ground and pound. They can rely on that top not that's top shelf defense that not a lot of people are talking about. Um, so I'm thinking in this game, Mike, this is the way it played out in my mind, is that Tennessee makes this a ball game early. And uh I fully expect by halftime this thing to be pretty tight, uh pretty sloppy on, on Texas AM side. Uh but I feel I just feel in the second half. This defense is going to be just a little too much for Tennessee. I, I feel like these running backs are going to be a little too much for, for Tennessee. The secondary has, you know, has shown that they can make some mistakes and, and usually it happens in the second half. We always joke about the third quarter in Tennessee. They did good this this last week, but you know, more often than not, they really struggle in the third quarter. So it just feels like it's going to be one of those type of games. So I've got the AM Aggies winning this thing. Uh, coming from behind and winning 31-21. So I like Tennessee with the points, though. Ooh, well, Shane, I think you're going to like what I have to say because we got something a little bit different. <laughs> yes! <laughs> so good luck. You balls are going to be looking good based on what I'm about to say, but it is hilarious. I do apologize for my picks this year, Shane. I mean, they have been so awful. I don't understand how anyone can spend as much time as I do working in the SEC, <laughs> concentrating on And, hell, I go back and watch all these games uh-huh. multiple occasions to get ready for this, breaking this stuff down. And if you put a gun to my head and, and I had to make one pick to save my life, I'd been shot about ten times this year. So <laughs> <laughs> I've, I have been enjoying everybody saying, hey, you know what the funniest thing is? is uh, I listen to this show – <laughs> on Monday after the games because I've just died laughing listening to your pick. So there you have it. And I think you'll appreciate this, Shane, because I think Texas A&M wins and wins big in this game. I see the logic you're making in this one. Uh, I'm a little concerned, though, with Tennessee. I mean, we've seen things. Half the time when I watch Tennessee games now, I do appreciate the fact they're giving Harrison Bailey and uh, JT Shroud some time because mm-hmm. – at different quarters, I like different quarterbacks. And, right. you know, and th- we're talking the same game. Like, first quarter, I think Harrison Bailey's awesome. And then by the third quarter, I think J.T. Shrout's the future. And then in the fourth mm-hmm. quarter, I think J.T. Shrout should be benched and never play again. And, and Harrison <laughs> Bailey's been inconsistent. But that's what's going to come with the true freshman. So, can you really beat a top six team when you're juggling quarterbacks and, and each one's looking over their shoulder and if they make one mistake, their ass is on the bench for the next quarter? 
Like it, it just seems mm-hmm. like a recipe for disaster. It seems particularly with, uh, I, th- I like the fact that they keep starting Harrison Bailey. Cause we gotta, you gotta get him. He's potentially your future. You gotta get him prepared for next season. And that's basically all you're doing these last three games. But you know, can he really be asked to win you the game against Texas A&M? I don't know. I think, uh, Tennessee, as they, you assume they would with a young quarterback, you know, rely on that ground game, but that's the strength of this Texas A&M defense is the front mm-hmm. front seven. So I like I think that matchup favors Texas A&M. And Tennessee's been banged up, you know, with this uh, TVA offensive line about the damn dumb broke about eight weeks ago. <laughs> They've got guys in and out of the lineup. They're just not the strength that they were heading into this thing. Uh, I, I think the best chance Tennessee has is if Kellen Mond has, you know, an inconsistent performance. And I think Jeremy Pruitt and Derek Ansley – you know, they have enough defensive history to, to scheme him up and do it well. But at the end of the day, I mean, the middle of the field has been wide open on Tennessee's defense all year. Jalen Watermeyer, he's going to be behind Kevin or Kyle Pitts. He's going to be all SEC tight end. I think he's going to have a field day in this one. I don't think any anyone on the balls can block, can, can cover Jalen Watermeyer. So I and the Aggies need an impressive win, Shane. Mm-hmm. They really do. They've had two weeks to prepare. I'm going Texas A&M 35, Tennessee 13. Aggies cover according to me, which means Tennessee's probably going to win outright. <laughs> I like it, Mike. I like it. You know because it is. I'm going to tell you, Mike. You your picks have been bad. I mean, almost like chain bad from last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was. That was a. I think I went what what twelve weeks, and maybe one. I got one of my picks right for my lock of the week. Yep. You know, so there was a lot of people that made money off me last year, but there's a lot more people <laughs> making money off you this year. I'm happy to help. You keep. I know. <laughs> keep it up, man. I love seeing those tweets after because if people are making money, that's the whole point of this, Mike, we want to help them. So yep. uh, keep it up. I, I hope you're wrong. I hope Tennessee end up, uh, does pull up the upset here. Uh, but you, you know, you made a lot of great points. I could see your argument for sure. All right. Next game on the docket here, Shane Ole Miss at LSU. So will be three thirty Eastern two thirty central on the sec network. And right before we hopped on, you know, we found the news here. We've both been kind of offline, Ole Miss receiver Elijah Moore and Ole Miss tight end Kenny Yaboa, two of their better players, have opted out for the final game of the season. I don't know what in the hell is going on there or why they why they didn't finish the deal. You know, I, I think some of the guys, you could certainly, I guess, you know, you're seeing guys like at Vanderbilt opt out, and, and I've seen it some at Tennessee. I think some of them maybe, you know, just put a deadline out there and said, hey, you know what, we were supposed to – wrap the season on December 5th. I'm going to give my mm-hmm. commitment to the coaches and the, and the rest of the team. I'm going to stay till, till then. But then at that point I'm opting out. We've seen that at struggling programs, but I don't understand this move for Ole Miss. Who's won uh, the last three in a row. They're riding high. This is probably going to be your last game of the season. And you know, before the bowl game. So, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what the logic is here. I'm, I'm again. I'm not uh, calling these guys out, but you played so much. I don't understand why you. This is a damn rivalry game here, Ole Miss LSU. But uh, 
I don't know. I've, I've gone back and forth on this one. We, I still have it as Ole Miss favored by two and a half. So I'll make my pick here in a second. But uh, who do you like in this one? Well, you know, honestly, I changed my pick because of this news. Uh, you know, old Kiffin's up here talking about flipness and, and <laughs> damn, his own players just flipped out. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, it's almost like he was he was so focused on the future and maybe he just lost what he had here in the present. And I think it's going to cost him a victory, man, because this isn't just two Joes just walking off the field. This is, you know, some some folks were even calling it uh, Elijah a, a Heisman, you know. I mean, obviously it was an extremely long shot, but what he was able to do this year, just the, the, the pure numbers, he, you know, um, so – I'm going to have to flip my score here. I had LSU losing this thing. Um, I, I went back and forth with that score, and this was just icing on the cake for me, man. So I, I had to even bring the score down. What was the what's the over-under on this thing? Do you know? Uh, yes, sir. Let's see here. The over-under is a 76 and a half points. Oh, God. See, I had – I'm just going to tell you. My, my first prediction was Ole Miss 42, LSU 35, which put it at 77. Mm-hmm. So if it's still there, man, I'm going under. I, I may jump on there and go ahead and put some money on the under because I just don't see them hitting the – I just don't – I don't see Ole Miss keeping up. I don't see this being a, a, as high-scoring a game. Um, so, again, adjusting my score here, I still think Ole, Ole Miss has got some – I mean, they got weapons. They've shown us. Lane Kiffin and, and them boys, they, they show us that they have no problem – uh, running this offense. The big one is Matt's going to be there, so he can make something happen either with his arm or legs. So uh, I think that's not going to be the issue. The issue is LSU. What are we going to get from these guys? Uh, right. You know, they're coming off an emotional victory. And, yeah, they were able to hang with Florida and keep up. It took everything. It took a lot of things going their their way. But uh, they were able to do so. And I don't think now they're going to have to score as much as they would during a Florida game. So, I'm going to call LSU winning this one. So, uh, like I said, I flipped it right before, and I've got LSU uh, winning 28, Ole Miss 24. So, I just don't think it's going to be near as high scoring. Um, I think it's going to be a little bit more conservative this week, Mike. Yeah, I'm kind of right there with you. I mean, I was leaning towards Ole Miss going into this one, but – what happens when uh, you know your all-American receiver opts out? All, you know, potentially all SEC Kenny Yaboa here at tight end. He's probably been the third best tight end in the league mm-hmm. this year. You know, you gotta feel like that's gonna affect the team at some. I don't know. This is just so weird to me that <laughs> I just don't know what to make uh-huh. of this one. And and you know, I think Ole Miss will still score. I think LSU will still score because uh, we've seen the defenses be so bad and. Yes, LSU, you know, we went on the road and we beat Florida last week, but remember, I mean, it took a damn shoe toss. It took some of the most, uh, one of the most wild interceptions we've ever seen to make that happen. I think Ole Miss, considering the LSU's depleted secondary, and I don't even know if uh, Derek Stingley's going to play. He's been in and out of the lineup and he couldn't play against Florida. They're playing mm-hmm. some young receivers. That's the thing with uh, playing so many young guys that LSU is playing. You know, one week you look amazing. The next week you look totally lost. So right. I, that's probably part of our incredible Hulk Bruce Banner talk, Shay. We, we just, <laughs> it's just so inconsistent with the, with the Tigers. But 
You know, how can you go against LSU playing at home? You're underdogs in a rivalry game. Mm-hmm. Lane Kiffin versus Ed Ogeron, two buddies. You know, they're going to have their teams fired up. They're going to they're gonna want to go out on a high note in this matchup. Right. But I, I think even with these with these opt-outs, I think it's going to be pretty high scoring. I'm going to go a lot higher than you, Shane. I'm going LSU 38, Ole Miss 35. I think this is still going to be a thrilling game. But uh, when you when you get into that shootout and you're missing mm-hmm. these two targets, I think that's going to be all she wrote for, for Ole Miss. If, if these guys played the game, I think they would have won it. Just wait a second, Mark. I am putting some money on this under. Yeah, so I'm going to put – Oh, let's put uh, let's put fifty on it. I think that's a good bet. Yeah, it seems like a screw so, up. Um, like they don't know he's out. Right. So, all right, man, that's in there. Look at that. Look at that gambling. While we're talking about gambling, you know, that's how Dick the Chain is. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> all right, man. Sorry about that. It's 76 right now, 76 and a half. I like that. Golly. Yeah, I like that too. All right, Shane, next game on the docket. This is uh, another time. I mean, think, of, think about that. 30, 30 to 36 to 40, I still win. Right. I mean, okay, sorry. All right, Shane, next game on the docket here, Missouri at Mississippi State, also at 330 Eastern, 230 Central. On SEC Network alternate channel, I mean, how we we got four SEC games, one of them is on the alternate. Let's let's do better than this ESPN. We got to do better than that. But uh, Missouri, according to my bookie, favored by one and a half on the road. Eli Drinkowitz versus the Pirate. Who do you like in this matchup, Shane? Ooh, Mike. Um, you know, Mizzou looked rough last week, but they were going against. A giant. I mean, let's let's just face it. I think Georgia's the hottest team right now. And uh, unfortunately, Mizzou caught a piece of that buzzsaw. Mississippi State, eh, you know, they, they're, they're hit or miss. And um, as soon as I, I think that they've made it, they take a step back. And it felt like it's what we did a little bit last week. It just we didn't build off. I haven't seen that in consecutive weeks. Mississippi State just, you know, getting better consistently across the board. The defense is doing just about everything they can to stay in these games, but I don't know if Eli showed you anything, man, which I think my personal opinion, coach of the year, I think that they, when the talent is close, they always rise above. And I, and I think that's what we're going to have here. And I think Mizzou's going to come in. Uh, I think they're going to get the lead early and they're just going to hang on to it. So i got Mizzou winning this game 28, Mississippi State twenty four, uh, so I think it's a I think it's a close one, but I just think like I said, Mizzou just stays ahead the entire game. Roundtree has a big end. Mm-hmm. I would have liked this matchup a lot more last weekend. Both these teams were playing so well heading into last weekend. Missouri got crushed. Mississippi State did not look good. I didn't think against Auburn. Plays were out mm-hmm. there to be made. They didn't make them. So, like I said, I mean, we're kind of limping into this. I think Missouri's performance after, you know, the post-game comments and everything, it, it certainly sounds like Missouri's just so banged up, so thin. But on the flip side, so is Mississippi State. 
I mean, let's credit them because they they could have easily went the way of Vanderbilt and not finished out these last couple games. But uh, credit to that coaching staff and and especially the players lining up mm-hmm. and, and keep going at it with limited numbers. And not only are they, you know, it's not like they're just showing up and getting their ass kicked either. They're they're gutting it out. So I'm not necessarily calling out Mississippi State here, but this is just this is almost like a which team is going to survive and which one's going to fight for four quarters because we're so banged right. up. Uh, I like what you you said there, Roundtree, Beatty. I think they could have big games. I think they're going to have to if Missouri is going to win it. But can they do that? Mississippi State's defense been playing some outstanding football. Both of these quarterbacks and these offensive coordinators, or the head coaches are the offensive coordinators, you know, they can get – if they get in, in the zone on calling these plays, I think either one of them is going to win it. But for me, at the end of the day – Basically came down to this shade. Mississippi State, they're quietly playing one of the youngest rosters in the in all of college football this year. Yeah. While Missouri, we've got guys like Roundtree, like Nick Bolton. I mean, we've got senior leadership or and redshirt or junior leadership. So, I mean, we've got veterans across the board playing in their last game here before the the bowl game. I like mm-hmm. the veterans, you know, to to cling this thing to fight the hardest. And, you know, I think there's bright things coming from Mississippi State, but it, it, I, it's almost like they gave it all they had against uh, the last couple of weeks, Georgia and, and Ole Miss, and now they're just right. now they're just limping to the finish line. So I'm going to go Missouri as well, even lowing, lower score than you. I'm going Missouri 24, Mississippi State 17. Okay. What's the over-under on this thing? 49 and a half. Okay, yeah. Yeah, 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 I can see that. <laughs> Ain't going to touch that one. <laughs> All right, Shane, final game on the docket. SEC Championship, Alabama, Florida for all the marbles. Alabama favored by 17 points. And before we make our pick, Shane, Dan Mullen picked it for us. Two-loss team has never made the college football playoff. And obviously, uh, with 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 your second loss, but but if you go ahead and win the SEC title, uh, do you feel like like there should be any question about whether you should be in the playoff, even though it would be unprecedented for a two-loss team to get there? We'll think about that on Saturday night after we win. Um, I think LSU made it in, in there, but when there was only two teams with two losses, so uh, if I'm not mistaken, um, does that sound about right? Back in one of those years with the BCS, so. I thought they had two losses and made it. Maybe I'm 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 off on that one. So, but let's see. Well, let's let's worry. We'll worry about winning on Saturday night because that's all we can control. And uh, you know, and what happens after that, we'll see what happens next. All right, Chase. Oh, baby, Dan Mullen's feeling good going into this one. Too bad he didn't get his uh, feeling good going into the LSU game. But man, thoughts on this one? It just seems like the energy's been sucked out from it after Florida lost. I was so looking forward to this game. I was ready to pick Florida to win this thing outright. I I was going to be on an island. What are your thoughts on this matchup? Well, uh, you know, I do think, I know this sounds crazy, but I do think the loss helps Florida this week. I, I, I think they got a little bit of that humble pie with the LSU Tigers, and that's what they needed. They needed to come down to earth, and especially during this game where they could focus 
and, and stop reading the clippings and, and, and just get better on both sides of the ball. But, you know, no matter what angle or, or you know, what positive spin I try to put on this thing, I've been saying it for the last few weeks here that this is the, the, the this is an absolute machine, man. Alabama has came in every single game this year well prepared. And they have not shown me one iota a reason to, to, to gamble on the Florida Gators right now. I, I don't get me wrong, Florida's talented. And if there's gonna be a team that can pull off an upset against Alabama Crimson Tide other than Georgia right now, which obviously that's not going to happen. Right. It's the Florida Gators. Like, if I had to pick, like, if we're playing a video game and you picked Alabama first, well, the other <laughs> team, I'm going to get the Gators because it's the only team I see that can have, that has the offensive weapons to keep up with the Crimson Tide because that's what this thing's going to be. It's not going to be about defense. This game, defense is out. It's going to be about who scores the most points. And Florida has that ability. And if Alabama plays that way, then this game could get very interesting. But, like I said at the beginning, no. Every every little scenario I've played in, in an Alabama game, uh, even last week with Arkansas, I was like, you know, they're going to backdoor this thing and cover this spread. No, no. Alabama is, is a machine. They're on a mission to win a national championship. And that, that starts this week with an SEC championship against the Florida Gators. So, that being said, you know the weapons. You know what they got. You know what these teams look like. It's going to come down to points, and I just think Alabama's going to have a few more at the end. I think it's going to be a, a little bit lower scoring game than maybe most are, are, are anticipating in a tighter game. I think Florida gets a late score and, and makes this thing a little interesting, maybe a little dicey, but I'm going to go Alabama. 38, Florida, 31. Ooh, so it's going to be entertaining, you think, huh? Well, not, I mean, the score looks entertaining. I think it's one of those that yeah. Florida scores with like a minute and 12 left. You know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? <laughs> they tried the onside, and it's, that's that's the kind of game I, I, I feel like we're going to pick up here. Florida can't afford to make mistakes. Alabama can. That's, that's the problem is Alabama can have a turnover – but not lose points. If Florida has a turnover, they're not going to stop Alabama's offense. That's the problem in this game. It's just one can afford mistakes and one can't. Yeah, and going into this matchup, I'm still kind of judging Alabama's defense. That's kind of what I'll be looking for in this one because I think this is going to be the stiffest competition they faced all season with mm -hmm. Kyle Pitts back in the lineup, Florida – I mean, they've got possibility to score a ton of points in this ballgame. Mm -hmm. Matchup nightmare, Tony. I don't think they have anyone that can guard Tony either. And, you know, one thing you didn't mention there, I mean, this could be Heisman Trophy game here. I know I kind of wrote Trask off, and I still kind of believe that, but maybe if he has some huge epic game here and the Gators win it, I mean, he's going to – I don't know. What, what are your thoughts on that? Let me ask you that real quick. Like, let's say he just has some heroic performance, you know, ungodly stats, and he has a game-winning drive to be the only one to beat Alabama this year. Are you giving him Heisman love if, if he manages to do that? Oh, well, yeah. I, I mean, 
this is this is one of the like we talked about this last week. I mean, Kyle Trask has an opportunity to win a Heisman this week. This is because there's a lot of people like me. There's a lot of people listening. They're saying that just there's just no way Alabama can lose. I mean, you want to talk, and that's crazy to say that we're going into a game, an SEC championship game, and they're seventeen point. What is that? Seventeen point underdogs now? Yes, I sir. Mean, you know what I'm saying? They're, they're, nobody's given Florida respect. So if Florida comes out and wins this game, and we're talking if, but if he comes out and he looks good and, and, and he's the reason that they win this game, then, yeah, I, I, I absolutely can see a way that Kyle Trask is back in that Heisman race. Now the problem there for for me, now he that's what he'll have to do. But mm-hmm. – Florida's defense has got to do their part. So it doesn't matter what <laughs> Kyle Trask does. The defense has got to step up. They've got to play better. And at this point, you know, the substitution issues, the inability to line up, inability – I mean, they, they got, you know, both corners blitzing at the wrong time. And if they look that discombobulated against a true freshman in Max Johnson, what are they going to look like against a veteran like Max Jones? You know, any – any mistake right. they make, he's going to pick up on it immediately. Remember that clip going around? I think it was the season opener where they asked Mac Jones, you know, to break down Missouri, and he listed like the two deep, like off the top <laughs> of his head, and what they bring to the the game. And I mean, he's a very cerebral quarterback, so it's going to be a matchup nightmare for them. I might be talking myself out of what I was thinking here, and you know, the uh, the, the biggest advantage I think Alabama's going to have in this one. Their offensive line against Florida's D-line is, is just a complete mismatch. There's no way Florida can play with them, I don't think. And if we haven't even mentioned Najee Harris, so playing behind that offensive line. I think Alabama is easily going to win this game, but I'm going to give Florida the cover. I think it's going to be back and forth, but at the end of the day, I just don't think Florida gets as many stops as they need. A little bit higher than you. I'm going Alabama 45 Florida, 35, lock of the week. I'm locking up the Gators, plus 17. I like that because I, I just think they're too explosive. I think they'll get some points on the board. Lock of the week, Florida Gators. And I don't know if you gave us a lock shit. What was your lock this week? Oh, shit. No, I didn't. I got it wrote down here, though. Uh, da, 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 da. Oh, this one. This is my game right here. 38, 30. I have uh, just – I just think 17 points is too much. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, I like I said I I don't I could easily see this being a 17 point game but it just just feels like one of those that Florida just kind of ekes back into it at the tail end. Now, I may be wrong, man. I may you know Alabama. It seems like every time I bet against Alabama in the spread, I usually end up losing. So I'm a little hesitant, <laughs> but you know, hundred dollar bets, a hundred dollar bet. So that's what I'm putting it on right now. All right, it's, this is a tough week, man. Four games. Every one of them were tough to pick. I went back and forth on all these scores. So, right. you know, we 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 soak it in, guys. This is, I mean, not <laughs> only do we get an SEC championship, but we also got three other fantastic ball games coming. Yeah, this is uh, probably going to be the last time that we get four SEC games on the same day for the rest of the year. So enjoy it. <laughs> I know I, I sure am. It was a wild ride. And just think back, you know, think back to the spring and summer. So many people doubting that this was going to take place. We've only lost two games, I think, of the entire SEC schedule. How incredible is that, Shade? We we truly have been blessed. I know there's 
some serious issues going on, and it's been a terrible year. But, hell, it could have been a lot worse. There could have been no football this year. And I'm just thankful yep. that the SEC leadership and the players and the coaches and every, and all the assistants and support staff, all the work that went in, we made it to the SEC championship. No hiccups. And and I'm just glad we didn't get five games like the damn Big Ten. You know what? Oh, I know, man. I love it. And I, and, and it, it, it can't be easy, I'm telling you. And uh, they, they've done a lot of juggling. These student athletes, they, they've done a lot. They've done a lot of sacrificing for the team and for the fans by not going to some of these events that they want to as a college student. I can't imagine, man. I mean, I didn't miss any damn events when I was in college, Mike. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. I probably should have. I probably would have finished a lot sooner. But but anyway, uh, that that's that's kudos to them, man. Kudos to those kids just toughing it out and, and doing it for the doing it for the team. So but yeah, I'm pumped up about this weekend, Mike. Hopefully we all make some money. Um, and uh, we got hell, what we got? This is it, man. After this, we got college football playoffs talked about potential bowl games, right? There's no other <laughs> ad games after this, is there? No, sir. So Sunday, we'll find out the college football playoff, the rest of the SEC bowl games. Who's going? Who isn't? And, and hell, the one thing I forgot to mention, this is also something the NCAA has kind of come out and said. They are allowing, Shane, every team mm-hmm. that wants to play in a bowl game, just you can basically make your own bowl game, as weird <laughs> as that sounds. So, can they pick their own teams and everything? They get to pick their own teams and, and everything. So it's going to be wild be how fun. this plays out. And hopefully, hopefully, Shane, maybe we get a couple of these games that uh, you know we really wanted to see that we didn't get, like uh, Kentucky versus Louisville. Like, you know, I certainly wouldn't think Florida, Florida State, but games of, of that nature, rivalry games that we missed out on, there's an opportunity to get those in and – you know, that'd be one hell of a way to end the season. Maybe maybe you get to face your rival in a bowl, bowl game if your season didn't go the way you wanted. Maybe you get something at the end of the at the end of the rainbow that makes it all worthwhile. You know what? Damn. Matt, we should do this on the next pod. Just all 14 teams, who do we want to see in the bowl game? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, that'd be great. That'd be cool. Yeah, let's do that. Uh, no, other than that, man, it's going to be exciting. I'm, I'm looking forward to it, brother. All right, buddy. Hey, you want to just cut it off here so you can get to your game? Yeah, buddy. I, I love everybody, but I got some I got some gambling to get to. So <laughs> y'all have a good one, and I'll see you guys next week. Go balls. Absolutely. All right, Shane. Thanks for joining me as always. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. You made it this far. Don't forget, give us that five-star written review on the Apple Podcast app. We really do appreciate each and every one of those. We'll catch you on the next one. All right. See you guys. Go balls. Upset.